0: Hello Power Hour Squad and welcome to another interview for the YouTube Power Hour podcast. I'm your host Erica Vieira and if you're new then welcome you're in the right place for all things YouTube, how to start, how to grow, how to increase your impact online using YouTube. So I'm so glad to have you and for my returners, welcome. And I have a guest this week who is backed by popular demand. I have Shay Whitney, who when she was on the podcast last year had only 30,000 subscribers. She now has over 400,000. But before we dive into that, I have Nicole here who is sharing her experience with the Zero to Influence YouTube Bootcamp, which is going to be enrolling very soon in the next couple of weeks. So if you're interested in improving your YouTube channel, starting a YouTube channel, growing your YouTube channel, get your name on the wait list at ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp. But here we have Nicole.
1: Hi, this is Nicole from Yeranay Nicole, and my channel is all about over 50 beauty and lifestyle. And I've been part of two of Erica's bootcamps. Now, really, I cannot recommend them highly enough. I got so much out of them. Not only does Erica care so much about each and every one of her boot campers and put so much effort into the training that you receive, but there's some really unique opportunities because Erica knows so many large influencers that she was able to bring on amazing guest speakers where we have the unique opportunity to directly ask questions. So that's something you won't just find everywhere. Joining the bootcamp was not only an incredible investment in my YouTube channel, but in myself. And the community that Erica has created with her bootcamp is so positive, uplifting, and helpful. And it was really reassuring to know that I had this incredible group of bootcampers by my side for advice, honest feedback, and help. Whether you have a small channel, a large channel, you're just starting your channel. These boot camps that she puts on really will help you grow and figure out the best way to be successful in your space. Based on the changes I made from the boot camp, I'm consistently seeing more views in my videos and growing faster than I ever did before. I just want to give a huge thank you to Erica and all my fellow boot campers. If you sign up for one of Erica's boot camps, you will not regret it.
0: Thank you for that, Nicole. Now, as I mentioned, we have Shay Whitney back in the house. People loved her episode from about a year ago she was on May of 2017 and we're now in August of 2018 and back then she had roughly 30 something thousand subscribers she had just started her channel i'd say about you know around the fall of 2016. So she was, um, I'd say about five months in five or six months into YouTube and already was seeing great growth. But in the last year, I mean, she went from 30, thousand subscribers and now she has 400,000. So I'm so excited to have her back. She is somebody that I'm really happy to have been able to get to know. She actually reached out to me before she even started her channel. And she told me that, you know, your podcast inspired me to start my channel and I'm listening to all the episodes and I'm learning so much and I wanted to thank you. And then from there, we kind of formed a friendship and we talk and I'm just so proud that she's in the YouTube Power Hour and the community here. And that's what it's all about. That's why I do what I do. That's why I do the boot camp and the podcast is to help you guys, to help you change your lives effectively, really. You know, if you have success on YouTube, for many of you, it's your dream. It's what you want to do in life. And to be able to help and guide you in that is a really wonderful thing.
1: without hesitation I signed up for Erica's bootcamp this year and it just wrapped up recently and it seriously changed my life
2: because of this bootcamp I was able to capitalize on a current trend and gain over 10,000 views on one of my videos before this bootcamp I was lucky if I could get a hundred views bootcamp
1: is for you if you like I was, are putting a lot of time and effort into your channel without seeing tangible results. I even hit my
2: goal of 5,000 subscribers during the bootcamp, growing almost 2,000 subscribers in just 90 days.
1: You know, during the bootcamp, I had some breakthroughs and gained, I don't know how many subscribers in one month, I think 10,000 from the bootcamp.
0: During the time of the bootcamp, one of my videos even hit 70,000 views and I surpassed
2: 1,000 subscribers.
1: I have created relationships where I will be friends with people for life.
2: My channel is at 18,400 subscribers now. I have increased my watch time by about 30 or 40 seconds which is awesome. I feel kind of like an SEO genius now and I feel like my videos have a better quality to them overall. I feel like taking this bootcamp helped me to really niche down and find that one area that I was super passionate about making videos about. I started this bootcamp with only 9,000 And 138 subscribers now I have 11,375 subscribers and it's just growing each and every day thanks to Erica
0: even after the first week I knew that the bootcamp was one of the do you know what the best decision i had ever made for myself let alone just my YouTube channel do you work really hard on your YouTube channel listen to all the marketing experts and do all the hacks tricks and strategies but are just not seeing the results that you want or are you lost as to where to start? Does the platform seem overwhelming with a lot to learn and are you yearning for a community of people who understand your vision of being a YouTube influencer? Hi, I'm Erica Vieira, and if you answered yes to any of those questions, I want you to seriously consider the Zero to Influence YouTube Bootcamp. You will be joining the hundreds of bootcampers who have discovered their unique niche and have clarity with their purpose on YouTube. This isn't just another course about YouTube. This is an experience and an opportunity for you to really discover your unique purpose and niche on YouTube, which will translate into views, subscribers, and most importantly, influence and impact. Let me change your life, or at least let me change your YouTube channel for the better. Go to ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp to add your name to the waitlist so you are first to be notified when I open enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. ericaviera.net Slash bootcamp. I love seeing Shay's success and I'm so glad she's here back on podcast. So I will give you her bio and then we will jump right into the interview. Shay Whitney is a style and luxury YouTuber who offers fashion tips, tricks, and recommendations on a rapidly growing channel. She loves combining classic and trendy styles while incorporating designer handbags and accessories. She started her YouTube channel in September of 2016 and hit 100,000 subscribers in exactly one year. She now has over 400,000 subscribers, continues to work full-time as a human resources specialist, and is married mother of two small boys. That's also what's really incredible about Shay is that she's still working a full-time job and a very full-time job, not a job where she works from home or anything. She's in an office every single day and she has two young boys. So, you know, hats off to her. She is really a you know, hashtag girl boss. She is somebody who is really just living life at its fullest and um, seeing a ton of success. So, without further ado, here's the interview. Mwah. Well, hello, Shay. Thank you so much for coming back onto the podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm seriously so excited. I loved the first interview, so I'm really excited for the second.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, you know that we've stayed in contact, and I love seeing your growth and everything that's happened to you so far. So I've had so many people request, like, you need to have Shay back on. She's blown up and all that. So I knew you would blow up. I mean, you have amazing content, but I, you know, let's dive deep into your you know your life now and what happened from then to today. And that was about I would have to say how long ago was that? A year and a half ago when I had you on the podcast?
2: Um well I started a little over a year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. so I think I was on the podcast in April of 2017. Yes. So that's it's like basically a year ago, I think. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. wow, that's weird so yeah, yeah. like a year ago and i was at 30k so mm-hmm. 30,000 subscribers was where i was at yes. and now i'm almost at 300,000 so that's insane
0: yeah. so you grew almost 300,000 subscribers in a year
2: yeah uh, so
0: let's talk about it so where you know where have you been since that 30k what happened was there um, a tipping point was there a video or take us back to say about a year ago
2: Um, Okay, so about a year ago, like I said, it was April, and I feel like, I think around June of that year, so probably like two months after we talked, um, I just started kind of realizing that, like, there's content that people post that it's just kind of like easy content, like, for instance, in the beauty or fashion world, a lot of, there's a lot of monthly favorites, there's a lot of Q&As, there's a lot of hauls, and those are really easy, like, you just sit down, you talk, you edit and you post. And I would do those like when we talk, like I have been doing those f- like fairly often. And I would notice that when I would really sit down and like think about how to teach somebody something or like I don't know, just something that specifically gave value to somebody, I would like the amount of views that I got like quadrupled. And I would get subscribers because I feel like, you know, I would still do hauls and you know, typical like maybe a monthly favorite here and there. And I feel like that kind of built a more personal connection. But when I started actually teaching people things and giving them ways to do something, I felt like they were like, they wanted to come back. Like they, they hit the subscribe button. So when I started like making that realization, I just started doing a lot more videos like that. Like I would, it would take me a while. Like I couldn't just sit down and just turn on the camera, but I would plan out videos more, but I would see so much more, growth and it just was so much more worth it so i just went into like plan mode and i really thought out my videos
0: you're like preaching to the choir about the whole value thing that is a thing i feel like when i'm working with people it's like you have to think about the value and i love that you shared how you really felt that your channel had a turning point when you you made the realization that oh my gosh It's not about me, it's about me giving value. It's not me about Mm -hmm. sharing, you know, my latest product or whatever. It's about giving value. Was there a certain video that you did that made you think, huh, I think this is maybe the direction I'm headed?
2: Yeah, and it's not to be honest, it's not even a video I'm proud of. Um, I don't, I don't even really like the video, it's kind of weird. So it's it's called how to look expensive. So I think like, okay, so I, the reason I did that title was purely strategic. It's one of those things where like you go into Google analytics and you kind of see what people are searching for. And for some reason, the whole how to look expensive thing was very high. And so I am, you know, a fashion channel. So I kind of like tweaked that into, you know, how to dress like on a budget, but look really, you know, put together and kind of expensive. Now I don't go around saying I want to look so expensive, but that's what people are searching for for some reason. So that's why I titled it that way. And it has now 3.4 million views, I think. So, it Whoa. just like blew up. And I feel like from that point, not like I, you know, I gained a lot of subscribers. I got so many views and it was, I think it's called, yeah, it's called 10 ways to look expensive. So it's kind of in a list format and I just feel like it, you know, really kept people's attention. I was teaching them specific ways to really kind of make your look more high end versus you know cheap I don't you know you know I don't mean cheap but you know kind of buy more inexpensive clothes but look more high end so that's kind of what I was going for and I was teaching something and I think people stayed through a lot of the video and I you know I think that also helped it like YouTube keep promoting it so ever since then it's it's been just one of those evergreen videos and I don't know if like everybody listening knows what an evergreen video is but It's basically a video that just, I don't have to do anything. Like it just has hundreds and hundreds of views every hour. Like I, it's just a video that gets, um, it's just awesome performing video. And so I kind of started, you know, wanting to make videos like that. And now I have a, a good amount of videos in my, my list or whatever that are just evergreen videos. And I, you know, every day I wake up, I could not have to post a single video, but I'm still getting subscribers from those. So
0: That's incredible. And if you could take, break it down a little bit. So, you know, you said you did some research and you did find that how to look expensive was a topic that people were searching for. What what exactly do you use? I know there's a bunch of softwares out there, but what do you use to do your research? And and how did you go about finding that? If you can remember from a year ago?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just in Google and you can like search, honestly, to be honest, I haven't even done it lately, but it was, I think it was just Google and you could see, you could type in like how to, and I kept doing like keywords. Cause I do have like a, a more like, I don't know. I feel like my, my genre is, is it started out very niche in the fact that it was like luxury. So I started out with kind of like reviewing luxury handbags. And so I kind of feel like my audience is half into handbags and more high end stuff. But then I started getting into, you know, clothing and I like to do a kind of like a high end look where like the, the clothes are a little bit more affordable, but then you pair out like a high end accessory and it just kind of brings up the whole look. So I was like doing keyword searches and I think I was doing expensive and luxury and, and, you know, basically I just kept seeing like how to like look expensive was coming up. And then I noticed, um, I think, I don't know if, I don't know what it was, but I don't know if it was a blog post. I'm not really sure what it was, but that came up and just like, the, I think maybe that a blog was just titled how to look expensive and it, and it like gave me the ideas. Like I could give ways. So I, I put 10 ways and I like thought of my own ideas and that's just kind of where it came from. So.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So you weren't even using something like a vidIQ. No, I wasn't.
2: And to this day, which is bad on my part, it's truly bad. And I am like, I feel dumb admitting this because I'm such, I feel like an analytics person. I still don't have TubeBuddy. Like I need to get, yes, I still don't have it. There's a free version, you know, I know, I know. like I am like at this point, I'm just mad at myself because I, I don't, I don't even like thinking about it because I think what, what, how, like how much better could this have gone if I just would use TubeBuddy and it's, I'm just like mad at this point, but yeah, I, I need to get that. Well, really I know you
0: listen to the podcast. So I am having somebody from Buddy on the podcast. So you'll, yeah, you'll hear about <laughs> that. And, and, and in the boot camp and, you know, we're really yeah, doing know. a whole Buddy thing in there. So, uh, but I mean, you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good even without it. it. It tells me that you have pretty good instincts. So, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's like doing your research, like finding what's out there. And even like you said, like a blog post, like even things like Uh, Buzzfeed and stuff like that can give you ideas.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely.
0: And so since you don't use a a TubeBuddy or some kind of software, like where do you find your video ideas?
2: Well, I don't feel like my head. Like, I mean, I watch a lot of YouTube. I don't feel like I, I don't copy anything at all. But I do watch a lot of YouTube. And I feel like that is like, a lot of people watch it for entertainment. And I do to an extent, but I honestly, it's like homework for me. Like I, I watch, I specifically subscribe to people that are really good. And so I know like what's out there that's like awesome so that I can make sure like I'm keeping up with it. And so I'll, you know, I won't get, like, I won't steal things, but at the same time, it's inspiring to see other people do different types of things. And I feel like that triggers ideas in my head. And I just constantly have this running document of ideas and I am just, adding things all the time. So I just have a huge list of video ideas. And basically it just comes down to having an idea. And then I really sit down and plan out the video. Like I do not just get in front of the camera and start talking.
0: No, and that's smart. So when you made this conscious effort of say, Hey, I'm going to really provide value. Were you sticking to the same schedule? Did you find you had to devote more time to your videos? How did kind of your process shift?
2: Yeah. I feel like when we talked before, I was probably, I was, I was honestly doing like, I think I was doing three videos a week, but I still, I still do work full time outside of the home. I was and- going to ask you that. Are yes. you still working? I still do. Oh God, yeah, that's I do. Crazy. So, um, I think I, at that time was doing three videos a week and I'm ever since this kind of shift, I, I, Occasionally, I get three videos out, but I, I would say to be realistic, it's two. So it, I did it did knock me down to two videos a week. I would say.
0: Okay, so now, so you, so you're now you're down to two. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering because it it does something that has to give to an extent. If you're if you're creating really valuable content, you need to really take the time. It sounds like you know. Well, maybe you could tell me. So what what do you do now that's different than it was before?
2: Um, I. I do have like I make sure my filming I have a filming room in my basement and before I would just have the same back I would sit down in my chair and I'd have the same nice little background with the same desk in the background with a plant and that's cool but I just I like I want the person when they click on my videos they don't know I don't want them to not know what to expect so I change up my video like my background every single time sometimes I even film in front of a bl- plain white background and I kind of like light myself up in the back and it's a very clean and uh, you know, I've kind of like tweaked the settings on my camera. Finally, I mean, it takes a long time to tweak your settings. I feel like you're always messing with them, but I finally feel like it just looks really professional. So, you know, sometimes I have a cool background, other times it's very clean, and I on I kind of think that just does like less is more in a way, I guess. And I I think that's really helped. I think my editing skills have definitely definitely improved. I yeah, you know, I mean, I think I was using Final Cut Pro before, but I, I, I I highly recommend Final Cut Pro. Um, and then I also improved my sound, which, oh my gosh, that's another thing why I can't stand some of my older, like my original videos. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was filming in a room and my floor had no carpet. So my voice was just bouncing off every hard surface and it's so bad. And I, and I feel like so many people don't invest in audio and it's so cheap and it's so easy. So I got a, a better microphone and I put um a, like a big rug, like a shaggy rug on the floor and it dramatically changed the sound. And another thing I want to mention about the audio. Sorry, I just feel like I'm just going all over the place. Oh, no, no, it's but, fine. Um a lot of people think I don't a lot of people think that oh, I'm going to get a really nice microphone and they just, you know, plug it into their camera and they're like, "Oh, I have a really nice microphone now." And that's that's not all you have to do. Like you have to actually go into your camera, like go into your 70D or whatever camera you have, and you you have to turn down the internal microphone in your camera so that only the good camera is or the only the good microphone is being used, and it. Took me a while to figure that out. I a lot of people kind of leave that step out, and once you turn down the internal microphone in your camera, then only the amazing sound is being used, and that's when you sound really great.
0: It's so funny because a lot of people make that mistake. Like they'll yes. buy a new camera, plug it in, and they, and then actually they're not even using it's still using like the camera.
2: Yes, audio. yes. yeah. And it's probably, <laughs> I'm sure someone else said that in the interview, but a lot of times people don't say that, so I just wanted to make that clear so that people don't forget that step.
0: That's a really, really important tip. And I'm glad. Actually, I don't know if anybody's mentioned it. I know it's a topic that got brought up in our boot camp now. I can't remember if it's something that's happened in the podcast, but it's really important. Yeah, it's so funny you talk about the, the, the floor too, because that's one of the things that came up too. And for people that are in a room that is not carpeted, that sound echoes. So yes. and and a lot of like studios like they they have like sound things on the walls, like carpets and stuff on the yes. walls even because yes. um it doesn't allow that sound to echo all over the place and it's something so simple like you said like putting down a rug. Um and so do you do research how do you then determine the value that you give?
2: I really do like coming up with lists of things and I try to make them kind of like easy, but at the same, I don't, sorry. Also, I like to try to, yeah, I feel like I'm just going around in circles here. Um, I, tr- I try to make them tangible things. I feel like a lot of times when I watch videos, people are just like fluffy things. And I want it to be like, you do this. Like, this is what you do. Like, in black and white. Like, I try not to make things gray. Um, and so, like, for instance, another video that's really um, big is 10 fashion mistakes women always make. And so I like, I probably like, I went into it and I I did the annoying disclaimer, but I made it super short, but like, I gave things like specific tangible things that I think are out of style. And when I watch other people's videos that do that, they're, you know, they're just kind of like dancing around things. And, and it's just, they're trying to be like super, super nice and they don't want to offend anybody. And like, I'm sure I made some people mad, but I really think I did it in a nice way. But I gave tangible, real things that are out of style and it just was real. And I, I tried to do that when, in all my videos, for instance, another one that was really big was, um, I think it was like seven or eight ways to look more attractive. And that has a couple, like a few million views as well. And it's like specific things that you can do to, like aesthetically look more attractive. And I I don't know, people loved that video. I got such, I mean, I kind of like when I posted it, I was like, this could this could be construed the wrong way. But I think because I gave actual things people can do, like they wake up in the morning and do this and it actually makes a difference. Then it's, it's, I don't know. And so like, it's hard to even like give advice because you really have to think and like come up with actual ways to do something and not just make it fluffy. And fluffy is easy, but that's not going to get you results. Yeah. So. And, I, and
0: I love what you talk about, like really actionable, specific things and YouTube, people are going on to YouTube because they want information. They want an answer to a question. They want to learn something. Yes. And if you give it to people in a way that's easy to digest, like people like that. Like they want, like, yes. okay, like 10 ways or six ways and who, and I, and it's like, to look more attractive. But who who doesn't want to look more attractive? Like who doesn't? Right. 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 And so it's like, oh, like, yeah, well, what are the six ways? It's very specific. And I noticed that you do do this a lot that you use numbers, right? Yeah. It's not like how to be percent. attractive or how to look attractive.
2: Yeah. Uh, whereas like, you know, eight. what was the title
0: that you used? You said
2: I did eight instant ways to look more attractive. So I did, I even threw the instant Instant. because it's like people like instant gratification. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't even think I plan to do that. But then when I was doing the title, I put instant in there and I'm like, this is a good decision. I'm going to put instant ways because (laughs) it is instant ways.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's really good. It's a really catchy title. And that's why I always tell people when they're thinking about their videos and they're thinking like, okay, that's a good video, but like, how are we going to package this so that's really appealing to someone to want to click on that it seems like someone's going to click yes. on it and they're really going to get some value out of it. And a lot of times it's like like that is like a perfect title and like you know adding numbers because it just People know it's like from start to finish. People like like to complete things, right? So you've got eight ways or seven ways. And also, I would think having that too also makes it almost easier to film because you've got your seven specific ways. You're not rambling. And when you're editing, you can add transitions. Uh, You know, I I do notice that you use numbers a lot. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, I definitely like the numbers, but I've always been a list person. I mean, even like what we said about me, making lists of what videos I'm going to film. I mean, they're all numbered. Like I just, to do lists about chores, like anything I'm like doing bullet points or numbers. So it took me a while to figure that out, but I started just like doing it in my notes to, you know, for things I want to talk about. And I'm like, well, I'm already making like numbers. Like, why don't I just like, like, kind of like turn this into like a video concept. And so I think that's probably where the whole 10 ways to look expensive thing, which was the video that just kind of really blew up. And I, I noticed that my, the retention rate, like how long people watched the video was way more. And I think like, it's what you said, people like to complete the 10 ways. And so they stayed way longer. And, you know, when YouTube sees that, then it's like, oh, people are really liking this video. So we better promote it more. So
0: do you notice that your watch time is pretty long, especially for those types of videos?
2: Yeah, I see a difference. Whereas like if I would have titled that how to look expensive, I think it wouldn't have been as long.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And how long are your videos on average like that type of video? How long is it?
2: Honestly, I I would say my videos are usually around 10-12 usually under 15 minutes are my videos. I don't like them too long. I mean, I I kind of like long videos if I really really like the person, but I I really like my points to be concise. I don't I don't want to ramble. In the beginning, I rambled a lot. Honestly, the 10 ways look expensive. I think I ramble because I was, that was still in the beginning stages, but now, now I really try not to ramble.
0: How do you, how do you do that? How do you make sure you're not going on and on?
2: That's kind of like in my planning process. I don't like script out my videos, but I give like in my notes, specific things I want to talk about. And when I am done talking about that, like my points, I, I just, I stop. Like I, I, in my, like when you're in the moment in front of a camera, you could keep going, but I just force myself to stop. And, and then there's times in the, in the editing process, I'm like, okay, here I am repeating my point again. I'm going to edit this out and I just take it out.
0: Yeah. I think it's really important to be concise and it just, it just, if you're, if you're aware of it, then you do what you can, especially during yeah. filming, but it is, it is a hard balance because this is one of the things that I get asked a lot too. It's like, okay, well, how do I balance really being myself, right? Showing my personality, being myself, being engaging with being as concise as possible. Do you, is that something that you ever run into?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like that's why I still do every once in a while, I'll throw in the more personal videos, you know, occasionally I'll do a vlog or I will do them like a, you know, a haul or something where I'll show like I, I went shopping and this is what I got and it's so cool and, and look how how nice it is and I feel like that I think more of like a personal connection with people through those videos so I don't think they're necessarily gaining me a lot of subscribers or anything but I'm getting a personal connection and that kind of just makes my relationship with my subscribers better and that way my video view counts are higher you know what I mean like people are just clicking on more of my videos because we're like friends
0: yeah. And I think that's something that is important to think about, especially if you have a little bit of a larger following. Like if you have at least, I'd say 50, 60,000 subscribers, you want to start thinking about videos that you do to cultivate your, your, your community. Right. And that's different than videos that you do to try and gain, to grow or to gain subscribers. And I think when you get to a certain size, you can't you can't do just one. You have to do a combination of both. You have to do those videos, whether it's live sessions or just sit-downs or Q&As so that your your diehards feel like they get to know you. They, they, they want to get that personal connection, but you still, at the same time, need to be very aware of what's going to help you continue to grow.
2: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I see a lot of people, they're just only doing... Like the very easy videos or like the thumbnail thing. This is another thing I want to talk about. Like thumbnails are so important, which I know everybody says that, but it's so true. And I feel like so many people, they're just, they're just like taking a product, like a makeup palette or whatever. And they just like hold it up and they just like take a picture. And that's just like, it's been done so many times. And so I really try my hardest to not take a thumbnail picture where I'm just holding up a product because that's not going to make anyone want to click on the video. Like anyone knew at least, you know what I mean? Like nobody knew is going to click on that because they've, that's been done so many millions of times. So I, I just really, a lot of times, and I think it was Karina Garcia, maybe I'm making that up. I don't know, but somebody, somebody said,
0: Karina. Yes. Yeah, Karina and yes. I talked a lot about thumbnails on, yes. on the podcast. Yeah.
2: So I remember that. And she said that she thinks about the thumbnail before she even films a video. And when she said that, I was like, that is me to a T. I literally think about the thumbnail long before I film a video. If I can't even think of a good thumbnail for a video, that makes me not even want to film the video.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Karina said that. And that was the first time I have ever heard anybody say that. Like, and, and for her, I mean, she uh she equates a lot of her success, you know, as she was kind of blowing up to how incredible her thumbnails were. And she maintains that level of thumbnail. And that was the first time I heard of like actually thinking about it beforehand. But it is so the thumbnail is so important. You can put your blood, sweat and tears into an amazing yeah. video. It could be the best video in the world. But if your thumbnail is just whatever, total waste of time, Yeah, it's a total waste of time. So what do you use to create a thumbnail? Like, what do you think for you when you're creating a thumbnail? What do you think makes a really good thumbnail?
2: Well, like I said, I don't, just sit down and take a picture of myself holding something. So I try to, I'll either use like a professional picture because I do have an Instagram that I do like different looks. And I, a lot of times my husband will just take my outfit. But I mean, we, we have like a really nice camera and he'll do it for me. Or I I do sometimes use a photographer as well. So I do get really high quality photos taken from my Instagram. So I'll sometimes pull in one of those if it involves Fashion in some way, and I try to, you know, have the words very legible. And, you know, I know there's some people I have been noticing that some people are going back to not putting any words on the thumbnail whatsoever. And maybe that's where it's going. I'm not really sure, but I personally still put words on there, but I make them pretty large so that when people see my videos to the side, like in the suggested box or whatever, they can see what it is. And it's just very obvious. So that's kind of the strategy that I use. I obviously make the number very large. Um, and then a lot of times I like to do befores and afters. So like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do like what I look like before and I, you know, purposely make myself look a little bit worse than I probably do. Um, I mean, I, I don't make it like, like too stupid, but you know, I.
0: Well, it has to contrast. I mean, yeah, it, to. To con- exactly. it
2: has to be very noticeably different. So I'll do something like that. And then I'll put like the after and, I'll, you know, obviously try and make that really, look really good. And for some reason, people love the before and the after look. And I'll kind of like split the screen a little bit. And that seems to do fabulously. So I do that. Not every time I really try to make, you know, every thumbnail a lot different. Um, but there, and I said this, I, I think I did say this in my last interview. There are times that I spend way too much time on a thumbnail. I mean, like ridiculous amounts of time. Like I'll spend hours and hours on a thumbnail because I feel like Like the video is amazing. Like I, I might've already like edited the entire video and I'm just like, I love the video, but this thumbnail just sucks. And I just will not post an awesome video if the thumbnail sucks. Like there, it's just a complete waste of time. So I will like, I'll do the thumbnail and I'll be like, I I think that's okay. And then I'll kind of like walk away from it. And like that night or the next day, I'll look at it again. And if it doesn't like catch me the the second time I come back, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm redoing this. Like, I don't care. I don't care if it's, you know, waste, putting more time to it. It's going to be worth it in the end. So that's kind of the approach I take and I also use PicMonkey which mm, I know yeah. a lot of people use Canva but PicMonkey has been great for me. I know you have to pay a little bit now to use it I think mm-hmm. yeah. but it's been it's, it's been worth it. So
0: Yeah, I mean it is. That's crazy that you would just kind of like you're like okay, let me let it marinate. Do I like this stuff yeah. now? Do I not? So okay, so going um back to your videos and your video topics. Have you done a video that you thought maybe was going to do well, that that just flopped?
2: Oh my gosh, yes. And it's the one we talked about. I think, you probably, you probably don't even remember, but I wanted your oh, yeah, opinion yeah. about yeah. it. and it yeah. was Okay, so I don't know. This is one of those videos where I don't even know where this came from. I just got a video, this idea in my head, which again, people could think this is offensive, but I swear if you watch the video, anybody watching this, go watch the video because I'm telling you it's not offensive. But what it is is, actually, let me go to it. I forget what I titled it. It had to do with tattoos. And it was basically a list of tattoos that could potentially, I don't want to misquote it because it could could seriously be like offensive if I say it wrong, but it does have to do with tattoos. So it's 10 tattoos that could ruin your style. So I like for the thumbnail, I have, you know, one of those tattoos where the, um, as they say, the tramp stamp, which I <laughs> yes, that sounds really bad though, <laughs> so it does that have that. And then it kind of has like me looking at it like kind of like, "hmm, and does that look good? I don't know. And so uh, basically, I started the video saying, my very best friend, I designed some of her tattoos, so I'm totally not against tattoos. And it was kind of just an idea of like things to consider and things that you might regret. But, you know, just to think about before you would get a tattoo, and I listed, again, tangible things that people should or should not do. And everybody come, I mean, people that did watch it, it only has like 25,000 views. So that's pretty low, um, for my videos. Um, but I think it flopped for a couple reasons. One, a lot of people just don't care about tattoos. And so people that don't care about tattoos or don't have them didn't click on the video. That's true. Yeah. But then also, actually I don't even know why because everyone that commented on that video was like you I I went into this thinking that you were going to be so like mean and this was going to be just awful but this, you you gave such amazing advice and this is such a good video like I got such high praise like I feel like a lot of my videos the comments are super nice but this one was extra nice I think people were shocked at how well I delivered the video and that's why I was really proud of it and I wanted the thumbnail to be good and I still think the thumbnail's good but it did it just didn't yeah, the views weren't there. So I don't know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's a very interesting topic. I don't know if there's been yeah. other videos on it. But I maybe you're right. Maybe it's just something that only people that have tattoos w- would be interested in watching. Who, who knows? I mean, yeah. it's it's one thing it's we could talk about this, too. It's like, you know, really understanding your audience. And I feel like, yeah. you know, you do understand your audience to, to an extent. But maybe that just yeah, was something like, not not your audience right. was into.
2: Yeah. And I mean you kind of have to also think of videos that are not controversial but you know like for instance there's another approach that you know when people get mean comments on videos I think people are super defensive about it and they like delete them and they're like I have not yet. and I I'm like heck you put some mean comments on there because then there's some debates going on and honestly that looks so good to YouTube when yeah. there's like all these comments Engagement. going you- yeah. So I'm just like, heck, if you want to put mean stuff about me, go right ahead. I'm not going to delete it. And, you know, so when people kind of debate things back and forth about your video, that's really good. And it's another reason why I think even the, the fashion mistakes video that I did, people were saying like, they were agreeing with me. And then some people were disagreeing with me. Some people were giving me different ideas and the engagement in that video is amazing. So when you think of ideas that you, You kind of want it to be a slight, not not all controversial, but just something thought provoking. Yeah, I was just gonna
0: say you want it to be something that's gonna like inspire somebody to want to respond, right? And it's like it's not. And people say, oh well, you know, get engaged. Okay, ask a question or that. But really, if you're really creating a topic and a video that has some depth to it and that there's an opinion there, people just feel like they want to give their opinion, right? They want to say something, and so that is one thing to think about. Like if you're not. You know, if you have a couple thousand subscribers and people really aren't commenting, well, maybe you're just not touching on a, an, a, an emotional component that makes people want to comment, right? Maybe you're just getting right. just kind of a bland review or you're just, you're just skimming the surface or you're not really going deep. And because ultimately that's what YouTube wants. YouTube people be, YouTube wants people to stay on their platform and engage and interact. And I, it's one I've, I've noticed that too uh, with the people I work with, it's those videos that spark some some conversation. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be controversy, but it sparks a response and conversation. And yeah, yeah, those conversations sometimes take off on their own in the comment section. And that and that's telling YouTube, oh, this this video is something interesting. People are, are really interested in this. Definitely. Any other videos that you did that you're like, you know, like surprised that they kind of flopped?
2: No, that, that's the one that's, that surprised me. I feel like every other video I can kind of tell when I think a video is going to do really well. And I also specifically, when I think a video might do well, I am very conscious about doing a call to action in that video. So I don't, I wouldn't say every single one of my videos, I'm like, you know, I'm Shay, you should subscribe to my channel, you know? And I know that, I mean, I do fairly amount good. I mean, I do that fairly often, but I don't do it every video. And if I think a video is going to do well, I will consciously do something kind of interesting about with like with the call to action. So I remember one time I like knocked on the screen and so I like did a a screen um, audio thing. So it kind of like sounded like I was actually knocking on the computer screen of the person that was watching the video. And I was like saying you should subscribe to my channel or whatever. And, I kind of like pair that with videos I expect to do well, because that again, when YouTube sees like there's a boost in subscribers, it's going to promote it even more. And it's just like this big cycle. So I don't know, like, you know, there's just videos out there that I expect to do well. And I just really try to, you know, do the call to action on those ones. So yeah, that's trying to think of like other things I do. I also um, really try to do like specific words in the title. Like I'll do, um, five pants you need in your closet. So I like try to do like these absolutes so that when people see the title, they're like, Oh, I, I I guess I do need that. Like, what, what, what do I need? And they'll like click on the video. So I just, I really, really try to focus on absolutes as well. So I don't, I feel like that those videos really are a lot more viewed than my others as well. But as far as flops, going back to that, I feel like the tattoo one was the, my biggest one and I don't mm. know why, but.
0: <laughs> do you ever uh, survey or ask your your audience like, no, for ideas? No,
2: I haven't. I mean, I get a lot of, maybe, I probably should do that, but I feel like everybody comments what they want. And I don't know, it's like, sometimes I just don't like their ideas. That really <laughs> 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 like like they they want a lot of vlogs, but if I vlog, it's like my worst performing video. Like I just yeah, don't think I'm like, like, like there's, I'm sure like people, there's like my a few people that will watch them, obviously. Like they do get a decent amount of views, but I just don't really enjoy vlogging. Mm-hmm. I feel like the editing process is really long. So yeah. it's just not as like worth it to me. And then when I don't get as many views, I'm just like, uh, so people will say that. And then people just love like the handbag collection thing mm-hmm. because I do have you know a lot of handbag lovers out there because that's where i like that's the you niche started. That I started. yeah, mm-hmm. but you can only film so many of those you know what i mean like i I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do that every month or anything,
0: yeah i mean it's uh that's interesting yeah i mean you you do do what who do you feel that is like your your viewer like your uh, avatar
2: I would definitely say it's kind of like the luxury lover, but I also think I have a lot of like just people that like style as well. So it's like split down the middle and it's just kind of weird because I started out in the luxury community, which is a very small niche, but I think that's so key to start in a very small community because people that subscribe to you really want to watch your videos. So even though you might have very few amount of subscribers, it's very equal, like your views are equal, like it, it balances out. So your channel is very healthy. And so when you kind of like focus on your niche for a decent amount of time and build up like really dedicated subscribers, then slowly. I also think YouTube promotes your videos more because even though you have 3000 subscribers, if you're getting 2,500 views, that balance is like really good. And so YouTube likes that channel. So they're going to promote your videos more. And then you slowly build a more a, a different, like a bigger audience and then you just, you know, expand. And it's just kind of like exponential.
0: I agree. I'm all about niching down. I'm all about finding your community of people. Cause if you have something very specific, though you're, you're going to attract a certain audience and then those people are going to watch your video after video. They're going to tune in. They're going to engage. And you know, some people, they don't like that. Like some people, they feel like it, it holds them in. You know, they have different topics they want to talk about. So what I say is like a general rule is I, Definitely recommend niching down. But I would say 70% of your videos should be your niche. And then the 30% you can play around with. And that's really only so that you don't feel like you're held on a box or you're stuck and also you never know one video that you know something you might have a passion for that you want to do a video that might who knows that might take off and it could be yeah inspiration for a whole new series and so um i i think that's such a good idea to to niche down and i think it's so so important and at what point did you feel comfortable growing and expanding outside of say the you know luxury and luxury handbags
2: um I would say probably around the time I did in June of last year where I did the how to look expensive because that I mean I did incorporate a a little bit of like the luxury thing. Cause one of my points was, you know, you can buy super, super cheap clothing, but then, you know, add one accessory that's expensive and it brings up the whole look. Mm-hmm. And, but then the rest of my points had nothing to do with luxury. And when I started getting subscribers, I started realizing, Oh no, like some, all these new subscribers, like they don't necessarily need a designer handbag. And so at that point I started doing other videos that are just just regular like just different style videos like style secrets like I try to come up with really cool things people can do and you know I I use words like secrets and people want to know like what's your secret so again they click on the video so you just Mm -hmm. have to think of like really cool words that are you know enticing to people
0: so what are your some of your favorite I know you said you watch a lot of YouTube almost as homework Are, are there certain channels that you feel are just telling it or that you love watching and getting really good ideas from
2: I mentioned her before. I love Lydia Elise Millen, Mm -hmm. although she has totally taken a different turn with her channel since we've talked. So before she was doing, I would say very similar to videos, like some of the videos that I do now, but now she's purely vlog. Like every video is just vlog. So I still really like her, but I don't necessarily watch her for inspiration. Um, I also watch, this is kind of odd too, but I, I really like men's fashion because like I don't I can't use any of the same points obviously cuz men and women's style are very different but there's some men's channels out there that are related to fashion and they're just like very fascinating to me so like they give me ideas of video topics that I can't use any of their points but like it's just an interesting thing to talk like they'll you know they'll just talk about things out of style or or how to do something with your shoes. And it's like interesting. And it gives it like sparks my my own thought process.
0: Yeah, it's it's really cool. Actually, like looking at kind of I guess it's a similar niche as fashion, but it, it is a different niche, like looking yeah. at videos like outside of your niche and outside of what you're doing to get some really cool creative ideas. I say that to people who do makeup and fashion all the time, like yeah. look beyond your own niche, because people are doing some really cool things. And like totally different niches.
2: Yeah, definitely. And then even like drones, like people are using drones and I'm like, I'll like watch those videos, like it has nothing to do with fashion or style. It could be just like a travel vlog, but I'm like, I could use that for like a lookbook. Like I should try to figure out a drone and like try to do something really, really cool. And so my husband, Josh, like he, has a drone and so like sometimes he'll be outside like practicing and it's purely for me like he's actually practicing for me so like we're going to try that at some point so it's just like trying new things and I don't know just always trying to get better
0: yeah evolving and changing and you have to so let's talk a little bit I know we talked a a little bit about this in the last interview but talk a little bit about affiliates and how you're doing with that and you know utilizing affiliate as part of your I'd say kind of income strategy
2: yeah so I do use what's called reward style. So that is an affiliate. So basically, any thing that I show, I will link it in the description box, and then when people click on the link, if they make a purchase, it doesn't have to be. It could. I, I could talk about a foundation. I don't really talk about makeup that much, to be honest. But if I could talk about, like, say I talked about a foundation, and they didn't like the foundation, but they still clicked on my link, then they make an order within the next like thirty to ninety days or something like that. Um, since it. it it usually puts cookies in the person's computer. I make a commission on their entire order. I have nothing to do with the foundation. Maybe they ended up buying a hairbrush. I will get a commission on their entire order. So that is awesome. I highly recommend reward style. I know there's some some other ones like shop style. Um, I think reward style and shop style are the two main ones, but I love reward style. I actually just went to their conference. They have a yearly conference and um, it's just, the top people are invited. So like when I got the invite, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I was invited and I wasn't sure if I was going to go. But then I had a friend that was going, which is um, Amanda Luck's mommy. So we're friends. And so we ended up rooming together. But um, it's just a really, really good platform that you can make money. I feel like YouTube money and AdSense is just like not good. But reward style, to be honest, has totally changed my life, like crazy changed my life. So I, if people are listening to this, I, I think it's invitation only. So you have to like request it. And I know they deny people, Mm -hmm. but I think, I really think they're way more favorable to YouTubers than they are just like bloggers because there's so many, so many, so many bloggers out there Mm -hmm. and the conversion rate, like sales rate is so much higher on YouTube. People make so much more money on YouTube. So they are, they're, they're going to most likely accept you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what percentage of your uh, YouTube income or, you know, the income you make from doing this is from uh, affiliates versus AdSense? I don't know if you do any other sponsored content or anything like that.
2: I do do sponsored content sometimes. I've, I'm very, I, I do like to limit it because I don't want to just get too much. But um, reward style is like, I would say, 70%. Of my income, and then YouTube AdSense is probably like five or ten percent, and then the sponsored stuff is whatever's left. It's it, yeah, like reward style is the the largest chunk by far.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. So you're not affected by the apocalypse or anything no. like that on YouTube.
2: No. Which is I mean, I, I mean I definitely I don't know. I've only been doing this for like a year and a half, so I'm yeah. not even sure what it my numbers would have been. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I came in and I started making like like I started getting a lot of views when this whole apocalypse was happening. So mm-hmm. I don't have like it oh, to compare. Point of reference. Yeah.
0: I forget you've only been doing it for a year and a half. That's just crazy. So so what what's your what's your plan kind of moving forward? Like how do you uh, do you see continuing to do fashion. Uh, I mean, you're very fashion, fashion focused.
2: Yeah. Um, I guess that's my plan. That's just kind of like what I really like. So I think I will. I recently collaborated with Miranda Fry. She's a, she's a jeweler. Um, She has jewelry. And so um, we did the Shea necklace. So that just came out. I was actually launched this week. So that's super exciting. It incorporates three of my all time favorite necklaces by her and we kind of combined it into the Shay necklace. And so that's another like kind of venture we've done. And that's been awesome. So I, I have a code it's Shay. So I, in a lot of my videos, I'll show that jewelry and, you know, it is an affiliate. So yeah, that's done actually really well as, as well. Um, but I don't know. I guess, I guess that's just my plan. I don't really know what my plans are. I like some people like think about starting like a clothing line or, you know, and that's, I feel like so down the road just because I've only been doing this a year and a half and I, I don't, I don't even know how to do that. Like I still have a lot to learn as well. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So do you anticipate like staying
2: working or? Gosh, that I think about this question every single day like yeah. I don't know what to do because my real job is super good like no I don't that sounds super like flaunty I mean it's no, super I secure mean, yeah, yeah I mean like it's a very secure job like mm-hmm. there's job security and I think I'd be there till I retire you know what mm-hmm. I mean like I really like the job so there's people that when they leave YouTube or when they leave their job it's because they're like I want to get out of my nine-to-five job yeah they don't, I don't like it me. yeah but I like mine so I'm just like what the heck do I do yeah what do you do I don't know. Does
0: your job know about your YouTube?
2: Yes. They oh, do they know. know about it. They do know that was another thing. I was so terrified mm-hmm. about that. I don't know why. Like it's just, you know, you're starting a new venture and like you're embarrassed. And I know, like, I know the real answer is you shouldn't care what people think about you. And, and that's just so much easier said than done. But I talk about like really expensive things sometimes. And I don't want to come across as the person that's bragging. And that's just why I was really scared about it. But I feel like I explained it and I feel like people have been supportive. So that's good. How did they find out? <laughs> Someone's friend found it and then basically just told the whole office. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm I, I going to tell you guys. I was just really scared. And so basically it happened how I did not want it to happen. I just hadn't built up the courage yet. And then someone found it.
0: Oh my gosh. But you don't want them to think you're going to leave, you know? So Oh, I know.
2: I know. <laughs> it's, it's all good now. So. Yeah.
0: So I we talked about this in the last podcast, but I really want to know if any of that's changed. Like how do you manage working full time <laughs> and doing the and doing the YouTube channel and then you have kids? How what's your schedule like now?
2: So I go to work super early in the morning and I, I start my job, like my real job, at five forty five in the morning. Like I get to the office at five forty five in oh the morning. Oh my god.
0: What time do you yeah. wake up?
2: I wake up at four fifteen. Oh my God. Yeah. So I start my day really, really early because I want to get home. So we kind of have like a flex schedule at my job. So there's people that come in at nine o'clock, you know what I mean? So I, I just choose to start really early and I'll get home by four o'clock. So I work nine hour days. So I get a day off every other week. So it's kind of like an interesting schedule. And then usually I film usually once per week in the like weekday, my husband will take the kids and I'll film a video. And then after the kids go to bed, I will edit the video. And so I'll kind of like work on that throughout the week. And then on the weekends, I will film usually Saturday morning. I'll get up before the kids wake up, usually around like 6 a.m. And I'll film a video. So those are my two videos. Like I'll film one in the weekday, one on the weekend. And then I pretty much just edit them every time they're sleeping because I refuse to be a bad mom. Like I want to be in, you know, involved in my kids' lives, obviously. Like I'm not going to be just like up in my room editing videos and missing their life. Like that's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. So unfortunately at this point I'm giving up sleep because I would I'd rather be with my children than sleep, which is totally not a good decision either because I know how much sleep is important. I mean, I still get sleep. I'm just, it's not the ideal amount.
0: Yeah. How much, how much do you sleep a night?
2: I would say five to six hours.
0: Yeah. Well, you and me, you and me both. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing yeah. that ends up going is sleep and, and exercise.
2: Yes. Yeah, same here. I do not exercise, which is yeah. an also bad decision. But
0: yeah, <laughs> I know it's like you only have so much time and that's I just know. insane. And you've got your kids. So, wow. I mean, it's great that you have a husband that's fully supportive. Yeah. And, yes. And it's good that, you know, your work. Is it's cool with it too. And you don't have to worry about that. That's just like a stress. Um so okay, what was the question I was gonna ask? Okay, so the other question I was gonna ask, and this is a question I get asked all the time, is like how do you keep up? Like being a fashion influencer a fashion youtuber is is hard because like you constantly have to be shopping for new stuff in order yes. to remain relevant.
2: Yeah, and that's like work too. Like it's I never thought somebody would be like, you have to shop. And like me think of that as work. Like that's ridiculous. That it's like the most awesome thing to do. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, I have to order stuff. And I like, don't want to, I mean, like a lot of times I enjoy it, but like other times when it's like, I have to, for a video, it's like, I don't want to. And I just never thought I would say that, but, um, yeah, you do have to really keep up with it. And it's like, it's like the classic phrase, you have to spend money to make money. So I will buy things, but I obviously link everything and it. Pays for itself and so much more. So it's it's honestly, I never have to worry about like me not having enough funds to do it because uh, the amount that, you know, I get back. Yeah, from you're linking making everything. It yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like totally. But I mean, like I said, I have to like spend a lot of time figuring out what I should buy because you can't just like buy anything. It like has to be actually something people would like. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that's not good too.
0: Yeah. So how do you differentiate yourself from all the other fashion people out there? What What do you think makes you... Special and unique and different?
2: Honestly, I feel like it might be my, probably the fact that I'm not too crazy with my style. Like, I feel like I am pretty basic. So, I feel like I'm relatable. You know what I mean? Like, I, when I, it, for instance, when I went to that recent reward style conference, okay, like there was like the best of the best there as far as style. So, when I walked into the room, I felt like I was dressed, like, I liked what I wore. I think my outfits were very good. However, they were like people that they're like runway style, you know what I mean? Like they're just fabulous Mm -hmm. and like very outgoing with their, with their, their choices of fashion. And I'm not so much like that. Like, I think I'm more of like an everyday type of a a look. And so I think a lot of fashionistas out there, like on YouTube, like a lot of things they, people that they show, people can't wear that every day, Mm -hmm. but stuff I show you can. And I think that, kind of what makes me a little bit different.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love your stuff. It is so easy to use and relatable. I mean, I use your links all the time. I like, I'll, I'll look at your stuff like, okay, I'll buy that from Norsham's and I think, I mean, yeah, and you make it easy too, because it's like Norsham's is an easy place to shop at and I don't know. But yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely it's definitely a saturated niche. Not as saturated as makeup, but I think especially in the blogging world, it's like really saturated. Oh, yes. So do you yeah. utilize so anything beyond YouTube, do you utilize, do you have a blog, do you utilize Pinterest? Do you have an email list? Do you do any of that stuff?
2: I only have an Instagram and I, I know that's not the right answer because I like, I should, I should have a website. I should have an email list. I should have a lot of things. I should, but I just, it's literally one of, it comes back to like, I just don't have time. Like if I quit my job, then I would 100% dedicate a lot more time to like a Pinterest, like doing Pinterest or something to get a lot of traction in other areas. And I, if you have the time, I think that that's, you should do that. It's just, I don't. So I do, you know, YouTube obviously is my main focus. I also do Instagram. Um, and that's pretty much all I do. And that's just, just all I have time for, unfortunately.
0: But here's the thing, like, this is one of the things that I actually, I think I go against a lot of the, um, popular recommendation, when I say this, but I, re- and, and it's like making it, I'm even more convinced now after just working with people, um, just so much more is that I really do believe that you need to focus on one platform and really grow on one platform before going into a bunch of others. And I know the piece of the common piece of advice is, oh, you know, you want to have, you know, diversify and this and that. But the problem with that is that it, it's a lot of work. And, and each platform is its own language and its own nuances. And to really understand each platform, like to really kill it on Instagram. You've got to know Instagram. you got to be active yeah, on Instagram. you're right. You're right. You need, to, you need to use Instagram. YouTube, my God. I mean, YouTube in itself is, is its own beast of a platform. Uh, and, and Facebook has its own thing, right? So, um, and blogging, right? But I, I do feel that, especially with YouTube, grow that audience there. And then you can move that audience.
2: Yes. I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. So it like in the beginning, I, yeah, I probably, I'm glad that I only did that to be honest. Like I think focusing only on YouTube, I kind of had the Instagram, but I didn't really do it that much, but I really focus on, on YouTube. And now that I'm bigger, now I'm kind of, not that I'm big, but like I'm bigger, but like, I feel like I should have, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe I should have some type of like a website, something that I do own myself. You know what I mean? But Yeah, no, I mean, at at your size,
0: yeah, that's a good time to think about it, even a little bit smaller to start thinking about, especially an email list. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know, an email list is definitely something to think about. But uh, yeah, I mean, almost every person that I've spoken to on my podcast and people and, and outside of the podcast, people that are really successful, especially with YouTube, they focus solely on YouTube like for a few years, like they really focused on YouTube. Uh, and some people even said too that, like, yeah, when I really decided I was going to make YouTube my platform I, and I put, I put my effort into it. I uploaded multiple times a day. I made, like you even said you went from three to two, but it's because your content itself was taking more work because you wanted more value. Right. So it was in right. essence, like more, more time was spent or more effort was spent when you really, really focus on, on that platform. Then you'll actually see the results versus spreading yourself on a bunch of different ones and kind of growing a little bit on all of them.
2: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So let me think
0: if there's anything else. I mean, I know we've talked about so much, Shay. I mean, it's been so fun talking to you, getting to know you. And just seeing your growth is just incredible. I mean, in a year and a half to be at 300,000 subscribers, that's really, really amazing. So I'll go over some of the beauty bonus questions that I usually like to ask, but it's going to be different now that you're at 300,000 and then we'll
2: oh, goodness. wrap it up.
0: <laughs> so what is the smartest decision that you've made in your YouTube career?
2: Oh, goodness. I was not ready for this question. Um, <laughs> hi, <laughs> let me think. <laughs> the smartest thing that I have done... Um probably just goes back to just really taking time for the videos. I think the list thing has of like doing a number, like 10 ways to do this or eight ways to do that. Or, you know, like that has been such an amazing thing for me. And I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody. It's it also depends on what kind of videos you do. But for me, realizing make making the realization that those kind of videos really work well for me. And, you know, focusing on that rather than just, hey, this is my December favorites. You know, this was a turning point.
0: Yeah. So how many of your videos would you say now say like out of 10, like what percentage that you utilize that list?
2: Probably like six. Out of 10, but the ones that don't have the numbers, I still try to do like a how to. So it's still like a value, like someone is learning something. And then I would say like one or two out of the 10 are more just, you know, not fluff videos, but just ones I can just sit down and just start talking, like a haul video or just something that's easy, like more personal, I guess.
0: And do you find that the number ones, just regardless, like always do
2: better? Yes, absolutely.
0: So it almost makes you, like, not want to do the non never ones if you know that I know. they're. But like, but like I we mean, said earlier, yeah. they're, they're more for, like, your audience or. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Okay. What is the biggest mistake you've made in your YouTube career?
2: I don't know why. Nothing's coming to my head. I'm just perfect. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but probably my biggest mistake is I feel like my quality was really good in the beginning, but it's just funny how my quality has been, has like, even in the last six months, I feel like my quality has really, really improved. And I, I, I didn't even start like a lot of people, even to this day on, on these interviews, I hear people say, just get an iPhone, just start filming. And I just disagree yeah. with that so much. I, like, yeah, I
0: actually kind of do too. <laughs>
2: like, I'm sorry. Well, like, it's, it's, it's
0: just, it's just so to annoying. get started. I understand. I understand that, but You won't get anywhere until you do the quality.
2: No, you won't. And then you're just like, that's why people quit because they're not seeing results. And so they're just going to quit. It's just like, it's literally, you're setting yourself up for failure. And so I didn't even do that. Like I actually did get lighting and I I, I literally had a, a really good setup from the beginning, but I didn't research like the sound. I didn't research even just my camera settings as much as I should have. And so I, you know, I guess that's, it's not even a huge mistake, but quality is just so incredibly important. So
0: yeah. And I feel like that's part of the reason why you grew so quickly at the beginning though, is because you did really pay. I feel like you really did your homework before starting. Like you really uh, looked into the quality and your videos were pretty decently looking uh, when you first started. And that's one of the things I always recommend too, is that when you're starting your channel, like act as if you already have a hundred thousand subscribers, like do your videos as if you already have it because people right. are going to come across your video and be like, Oh my God, who's this person? Oh, they're just getting started. Oh, they're, they'll probably be going somewhere. Their stuff is really good. So just act as if, act as if you have a hundred thousand subscribers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite opportunity you got as a result of being on YouTube?
2: Um, I would say, I'm just going to say two because I like the two. Uh, first is just working with Nordstrom. I, I work with Nordstrom every single month and I love Nordstrom. Like it's just my, it's my favorite store. So the fact that I can collaborate with them on one video per month is just like so awesome and then also that necklace that i just talked about like collaborating with miranda fry for that necklace is just amazing
0: yeah that's so so cool i know and i love norsham norsham's is like my happy place i love Nordstrom.
2: yes me too it's, like, it is, it's, it's organized me- so well it is and i just really appreciate that about yeah it.
0: Uh, i love i love shopping there it's actually one of my favorite stores they make it easy to shop yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, okay. And then last question, what is your superpower? So what do you have that makes, that just come naturally to you that you feel has contributed to your success?
2: Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I know last time I said that I could kind of just make, like I could figure out problems and make it work. And so I can't really say that one because I feel like I'm good. Like when I come up with a problem, like I, I, I feel like YouTube, there's just like so many Weird things that pop up, like whether it be with their computer file or lighting issue or camera setting, and you have to like learn how to do things so i've I said that the last time though, and i so I guess this time around <laughs> I'll say that my superpower is is kind of like figuring out and like creativity in a way like i I feel like i I'm constantly thinking of things that people haven't that I haven't seen on YouTube at least, like maybe it's been done before, but I try to come up with really creative things and Titles and like, I even like thumbnail design. Like, I just think, you know, creativity. I guess would be my other superpower. Yeah, I mean, I would actually say like you have a really good instinct. Do you have a good
0: instinct uh, of knowing what what people are going to click on, both from yeah. title, for thumbnail, for topic? So. I don't know what you would call well, that. Well, thank you.
2: Yeah, I don't <laughs> know either, but we'll, we'll run with that. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, Shay. Well, thank you so much for coming back, for being back on the podcast. I love, I always love talking to you. And it's just amazing to see your incredible growth. I mean, I can't believe the last time you were on here, you were at 30000 And a year later, you're at 300000 So you're definitely doing something right. And I just can't wait to see, you know, where your channel goes from here. So you'll, you'll, you'll be definitely one of those people who you'll get to a million subscribers for sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
2: Helpful. But thank you so much. And I love talking to you too. I don't know. I've never done a video about YouTube, but I love talking about it. So thanks for bringing me back.
0: Yes, of course. Thanks, Shay. Thank you. All right, bye. bye. Well, there you go. That is our interview. And if you enjoy this, please give the podcast a review. It helps so, so much. And if you're thinking about possibly enrolling in the upcoming Zero to Influence YouTube Bootcamp, then I encourage you to get your name on the wait list for extra goodies and bonuses and to have the first opportunity to enroll before it is open to the public. So head on over to ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp. That's spelled Erica with a K, -K E-R-I-K-A-V-I-E-I-R-A dot net forward slash bootcamp. And I will see you next week.
1: Without hesitation, I signed up for Erica's bootcamp this year and it just wrapped up recently and it seriously changed my life
2: because of this boot camp i was able to capitalize on a current trend and gain over 10,000 views on one of my videos before this boot camp i was lucky if i could get 100 views boot camp is
1: for you if you like I was, are putting a lot of time and effort into your channel without seeing tangible results. I even hit my goal
2: of five thousand subscribers during the boot camp, growing almost two thousand subscribers in just ninety days.
1: You know, during the boot camp, I had some breakthroughs and
0: gained I don't know how many subscribers in one month, I think ten thousand from the boot camp. During the time of the boot camp, one of my videos even hit seventy thousand views and I surpassed thousand subscribers.
1: I have created relationships where I will be friends with people for life.
2: My channel is at 18,400 subscribers now. I have increased my watch time by about 30 or 40 seconds which is awesome. I feel kind of like an SEO genius now and I feel like my videos have a better quality to them overall. I feel like taking this bootcamp helped me to really niche down and find that one area that I was super passionate about making videos about. I started this bootcamp with only 9,000 138 subscribers now I have 11,375 subscribers and it's just growing each and every day thanks to Erica
1: even after the first week I knew that the bootcamp was one of the do you know what the best decision
0: i had ever made for myself let alone just my YouTube channel do you work really hard on your YouTube channel listen to all the marketing experts and do all the hacks tricks and strategies but are just not seeing the results that you want or are you lost as to where to start? Does the platform seem overwhelming with a lot to learn, and are you yearning for a community of people who understand your vision of being a YouTube influencer? Hi, I'm Erica Vieira, and if you answered yes to any of those questions, I want you to seriously consider the Zero to Influence YouTube Bootcamp. You will be joining the hundreds of bootcampers who have discovered their unique niche and have clarity with their purpose on YouTube. This isn't just another course about YouTube. This is an experience and an opportunity for you to really discover your unique purpose and niche on YouTube, which will translate into views, subscribers, and most importantly, influence and impact. Let me change your life, or at least let me change your YouTube channel for the better. Go to ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp to add your name to the waitlist so you are first to be notified when I open enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp.